continue the conversation now with Phil Gursky. He's a former strategic analyst for CSIS and a security analyst at Borealis Threat and Risk Consulting. He is in Russell, Ontario. Uh, thanks so much for being with us tonight. My pleasure, Nella. So I want to break down a little bit of uh, uh, what Sarah just told us about what we know about the suspect, the charges that he's facing. Um, first of all, you know, when we... I, I was actually surprised that she said he, the police were so unwavering in mm. that statement that this they believe this was a hate-motivated crime. I, I've reported on many stories where community has called for crimes to be uh, called a hate crime or investigated as such, and there's often a reluctance or a hesitance. The fact that police so quickly, within 24 hours, made that statement, what does that tell you? Well, you can certainly understand why police are hesitant normally, because they want to have enough evidence to make statements. They want to have to retract in the future. What it suggests to me is that in their conversations with the suspect, they learned something about the reasons why he carried out this heinous act of violence in London, which, by the way, is my hometown. So I, I really do feel mm -hmm. for the people of London and for the Muslim community. They must have enough information at hand right now that allows them to make that very clear statement, which I heard as well. And as, you're, as you stated, it, it's, it's very definitive. It's very confident. And I don't think they would have made that statement had they not had information at hand, which led them to, uh, to create such a, you know, such a belief. Do you suspect that they, he either told them, that's why I did it, or maybe made some posts online, either just before or mm -hmm. just after? I mean, we saw, uh, we sometimes see this with, uh, you know, mass killers yeah. who want some attention. They immediately kind of spill the beans. I think that's a great point. Uh, I don't know. Um, you're right. There are people who are take pride in these heinous acts of violence. They, they, they see this as their claim to fame, their 15 minutes of fame. There may be something they discovered online in terms of posts he would have made in a variety of social media. Um, you know, perhaps, you know, they, they called it premeditated, which suggests to me that either he told somebody or he told police or there's some kind of an online trace or an online trail which says, I, you know, I intend to do X, Y or Z against these members of this community for reasons A, B, or C. So again, we don't know the, the, the facts just yet, but it seems to me that London Police Services are very confident in calling this at a minimum a hate crime. What do you make of the fact uh, we heard there that the accused had no criminal record and no known uh, connections to any sort of uh, online or, or known terror groups or hate groups? I would caution no known uh, uh, links yet. I mean, it's only been 24 hours. Certainly right. in my days at CSIS, it sometimes takes months to determine those links. No criminal record, well, that's a fact. He hasn't been charged with a, a crime in the past. But I, I think- But he you has know, had contact must... with the police. They did say that. Right. I, I think it's important. I know this is really hard to ask in 2021, but we have to wait for more facts to come in in terms of who he was, uh, who his associates were, who he's in contact with. They'll be interviewing family and friends, maybe associates at school or work wherever he was to develop a profile of who this individual was. But they have enough now to suggest something. But again, <laughs> these things take time. Investigations are laborious processes, whether they're police investigations or intelligence investigations. The National Council of Canadian Muslims, among other groups, are calling for terrorism-related charges. Mm -hmm. Police saying that that is also something that they're looking into. What's the threshold here? What is the definition? How, why would someone or why wouldn't they be charged with terrorism-related charges? And how is that different from a hate crime? This is really important. First of all, there are two different parts of the criminal code. So hate crimes under Section 319 and, and terrorism under Section 83.01. Uh, Section 83.01, which talks about terrorism, talks about a serious act of violence committed for political, 
ideological or religious reasons. It does not mention hate. So the determination has to be made. Is this ideologically motivated? What is ideology? How do you determine it? Was it politically motivated? What, is, what does political motivation mean? I think if you're the crown as well, you want to go forward with it, with the charges that have the greatest chance of success. Mm. And in this case, it's probably first-degree murder, possibly a hate crime uh, in addition to that. Although there's also sentencing things under Section 718 of the Criminal Code that can be here. Terrorism is really hard to prove because you have to get into someone's head as to why they did something. So there's a risk for the crown to call it terrorism, and they can't prove it in a court of law. So I understand the community's de desire for this because of the nature of the crime. But again, I, I hate to say it again, Janela, we've really got to wait for more information before we make that determination. Is it also more difficult? Uh, I'm curious because I think back to the Quebec mosque yeah. shooting, where, again, we have a, a suspect, an accused, who was very clear about their motivation, and mm. yet no terrorism charges were applied there either. Yeah, you raise a really good point with the January 2017 uh, shootings in Quebec City. I think all of us as Canadians would see that as an act of terrorism. But again, the Crown decided. In fact, he was charged with first-degree murder, and he pleaded guilty to first-degree murder, and he got a 40-year sentence. So at the end of the day, he'll serve a very long time behind bars. I, I don't want to dismiss the notion of terrorism and, and the emotional appeal of terrorism. But again, you're talking about what, what you know, the terrorism as a, as a popular definition versus terrorism as a criminal code definition. And I think the two are very different. I understand the frustration of Canadians sometimes that can't make that distinction. But again, it comes down to what the, the Crown can prosecute on and what the Crown can convict on. Mm. I, I'm also wondering, how does that change the course of the investigation if there's a terrorism-related mm. charge versus a hate crime? Well, it certainly would involve CSIS. My colleagues at CSIS looking into right-wing extremism as a possible motivation here. Was he known to the service? Was he part of an investigation? Did he come up in other investigations? Uh, what you know, what can CSIS share with the courts? The problem being that CSIS collects intelligence, not evidence, which is problematic for the Canadian court system. Was he known to the RCMP? Was he known to other police forces in, uh, in Ontario? I used to work for the anti-terrorism section of, of the OPP. Did they have something on him? So there'd be a lot of uh, sharing of information going back and forth to determine who knew what, and can we build a picture of this individual to determine at the end of the day what was the motivation behind this crime? And if the motivation was indeed ideological, political, or religious, then you can see charges under Section 83.01. All right, it's all fascinating stuff. Phil Gursky is a former strategic analyst for CSIS and a security analyst at Borealis Threat and Risk Consulting. Thanks so much for sharing your insights tonight. Thank you.